Moncrief on News Talk. person in this game, somebody I know I can trust, and I don't know if everybody's going to have their mom in this game. Uh, I don't think so, so I, I'm lucky. Please, for the love of God, make it through this challenge for me, okay? I, I will get through this challenge. I swear I will. I've been practicing. Bend your knees. Bend the useful knee that you have. She was like a superstar athlete. She's going to outlast me and embarrass me in front of all my family and friends. I have the coolest mom. I see the time on the clock. I don't know if I'm going to make it. That is a clip from Squid Game, The Challenge. You can stream the first five episodes of season one now on Netflix. And James Dempsey joins us to tell us more about it. James, how are you today? Yeah, not too bad, Tom. How are you? Very good indeed. Thank you for joining us. So I, I saw bits of Squid Game, the, the series, years ago. This is based on it. It's kind of a, a reality uh, challenge type thing, is it? Yes. So it is actually the biggest prize uh, some ever being offered in a reality competition show. The winner will take away. The singular winner will walk away with $4.56 million. Holy moly, James. (laughs) And not a shred of dignity left intact either. Because um, if you're going to put a price on your dignity, it might as well be $4.56 million. You can buy a lot of my dignity for that, I'll say. That's incredible. (laughs) So Squid Game, uh, I think, was released probably 2021 at this point. Uh, It was a Korean drama made by a Korean creator named Hwang Dong-hyuk and was a huge global hit, probably a bit of a surprise hit for Netflix at the time. Um, But it was just one of these kind of foreign language shows that just took off and captured people's imagination, probably because of a number of things. First of all, it had a very tantalizing, uh, you know, plot, which is about a bunch of Koreans battling it to the death to win a huge sum of money. It had raised a lot of interesting questions about kind of wealth in Korea. It was styled beautifully with this really kind of weird MC Escher on an acid trip style set. And then it was also incredibly violent and brutal and uh, very well paced. And not perfect. I mean, any of the kind of side plots involving the rich people in masks were absolutely horrendous. But obviously, this time around, uh, we have got 456 people from all over the world, provided they speak English, because it is made by Studio Lambert. They're the production company in the UK that make things like uh, Gogglebox, The Traitors. The Circle, which was on Channel 4 and now on, lives on Netflix, and they are very well able to make this kind of reality competition show. Okay. And they they cast a very wide net. They have brought um, English speakers from all over the English-speaking world, <laughs> and many, um, the vast, vast, vast majority of them seem to come from Instagram and are really? sort of like um, are, are uh, influencers, yeah. either either established or aspiring. We have two Irish men in the group as well. Uh, they are Eric Roberts, who's number 215, and Mikey Bo, who's number 254. And we have gotten the first five of 10 episodes. The second half of the season will be released later on uh, this year. And 
obviously they're not killing them right that's what we'll start by saying right so in squid game the real show if you are out of the game it is because you have come uh, to your end and here we can't obviously do that to our willing participants but they do take great joy in setting them up for failure and then they are wearing you know i think the industry term is like a squab or a squib yeah. which is like the the pack you use to simulate gunshots and they uh, you know right at their chest it goes bang except instead of being red it's black and then they lie they lie down and play dead and by the end of the fifth episode we have whittled it down to fewer than 100 of the original 456 so the main problem we get with the show is that there's just so many people Okay. There are just so many people, it's hard to know exactly who to root for because we only get to see who the production company has decided to curry, you know, to, to sort of put the limelight on for that specific episode. Right. And that either means that they're coming undone by the end of the episode or they might get on to the next one. But because a lot of the game is chance, you know, the people yeah. we're really rooting for might just immediately be gone the next time. So ultimately, that's my biggest flaw with it. But well, I have to say, I like I, that. I, I know that might sound odd, but it's kind of, that gives me a Game of Thrones feel that don't get too friendly <laughs> with these people because they won't be there for long. Well, that's fair. That is very, very, very fair. And who we heard in the clip there, you know, was a mother and son that they are, they are, they are competing against each other. And if you think strings aren't pulled to give them the most dramatic exit that is coming their way, you uh, obviously haven't watched a television show <laughs> once in your life. So yes. all in, like I have to admit, I found it much more uh, fun than I was expecting because the challenges match the ones in the show, but they throw in a few new ones. They then have a lot of back dealing in the kind of social aspect of the game when yeah. they're in the dormitories waiting to play. Like, for what it is, I think they've executed it very, very, very well. Well, it sounds like execution is exactly the word. Loads of these people I see are social media personalities. So, God, who doesn't want to see them, you know, come to a sticky ending? Yeah, well, I, unfortunately, it's all simulated. But um, certainly their, their pride suffers the most of all of it. Good. <laughs> Apparently that hurts more than anything. Um, so I believe also there are some legal challenges uh, being made. Yes. Yeah, so obviously with a huge cast of, of participants, uh, some people are probably a bit frustrated that they went out of the show earlier than others. And a few of them have, have grouped together to take a legal case against the production saying that, you know, uh, conditions on the set were not in line with proper health and safety standards that, uh, like, you know, the very first challenge we'll see them do, um, which is the one they do in the, in the drama is where they have to run across a line while this, uh, giant doll is singing a song and not looking at them. And what we, <laughs> see is you know that whole sequence for us lasts about five minutes but seemingly for the participants it took seven hours to film in this absolutely freezing warehouse so they are complaining about you know uh muscle pain and uh right and and and, you know sore egos it sounds like they hadn't seen squid game the original uh but (laughs) it sounds exactly yes indeed um Right, good luck with that. I have to say that sounds very intriguing and the fact that the kind of the attrition rate is so high to begin with I think is part of the attraction. I, I wasn't planning to watch that but now I think I will. Um, we're going to talk about both stories Sunday and, and Monday nights on BBC One at 9pm. This is a clip from It. What's your name? What? Look, the situation's f***ed up enough as it is without us being total strangers. My name's Samuel. What's yours, please? It's Janet. Okay, Janet. Okay. Hi, Janet. Hi, Samuel. <laughs> Listen, listen, Janet, um, back in London, I was a lawyer, and I think I'm like, no, this is f- 
insane. It's insane, I know, but I think I know someone who'd give us a lot of money for this. I just came here to walk bloody dog. So did I. But then the world... Throw us a bone, yeah, Only It's not a bone, it's a lot of cocaine the size of a... I've gambled away my entire life savings. I, I sold my house, which is why we moved here. Camilla, my wife has no idea. I don't know what your story is. No, you don't. Right, but you telling me you can't use a few million quid? It is not that simple. But it could be. Oh, sometimes, you know, the best thing to do is to look out for yourself. Because God knows life kicks you in the b often enough. And then you get a chance, you need to take it. Grab both hands. There's nothing worse than living Where would we keep her? So that's a little bit of both story, which is on Sunday and Monday nights, 9pm on BBC One. Normally, James, uh, the 9pm drama on BBC is like crime. Is that is this that kind of stuff? Yes. Now, this is a bit of a blended genre show and it is one of my favourite of the year. I absolutely mm. have been relishing every episode that I've seen. We've reached the halfway point now and it's not too late to get back on board. So I would recommend people tune in tonight on on. BBC One at 9pm, but it is a blended uh, kind of show. What we heard in the clip there is two strangers. Uh, they're, they're Janet and Samuel, played by Daisy Haggard and Patterson Joseph. Daisy Haggard is in an excellent sitcom. It's on Netflix called Back to Life, which is well worth seeking out. She's in Breeders on Sky at the moment, also very funny. And Patterson Joseph is a kind of um, like a character actor I'd know him best from Peep Show, where he played Johnson, but he's in, been in lots and lots of things. And they meet on a beach one day walking their dog in the early morning and happen upon a boat the titular boat of the story where they also find lots and lots and lots of piles of uh, cocaine because this this boat was being used for a drug deal and there's no one around and they decide well, we take the drugs and go and go and run and they are strangers and that is sort of what brings you know some drama to this because they don't know each other can they trust each other can anyone trust anyone and then when they take the drugs of course the original uh, dealer who is a french gangster but by the name of the tailor played by checky cario um with great relish he comes looking because he wants his money back and it's all set in northern england and it is an incredibly funny cohen brothers-esque uh, you know, uh, crime drama, I would say. It's got touches of Fargo, uh, both the TV show and the movie. When I say episode two breaks out into musical, uh, don't be put off, <laughs> is what really? I'll say. Yes, because it is. So we have, a, we have a very convoluted timeline. We have, uh, you know, the, it begins with an epilogue, it ends with a pro, or begins with an epilogue that is with both a prologue, it ends with a prologue that is an epilogue. It's very, so the, the creators are these guys named Harry and Jack Williams. They have really created this very intriguing, unusual show for British TV and for our viewing as well. It's incredibly funny and at times bleak and violent. It works on wordplay. It has kind of bumbling characters that you would expect to see in a in a Coen Brothers type movie. And then it'll just take your breath away with moments of absolute mirth and then sheer violence as well. It is a really well-constructed show. I could see why some people would find it maybe slightly convoluted because, you know, all the characters seem to be just bumping into each other from time to time completely haphazardly. And by that, I mean, you know, we have policemen and we have henchmen, we have mobsters, we have random uh, people walking their dog and they all are in the same orbit of each other and it's maybe slightly bit convoluted but I think the execution of it is so well handled 
it's so enjoyable. It's so funny. It's like a masterclass by everyone in it. Everyone seems to be having an absolutely great time. And what's remarkable about these two guys, Harry and Jack Williams, is they have made a number of very, very successful shows. Baptiste, which starred Checky Cario, uh, Back to Life, uh, the aforementioned one yeah. with Daisy Haggard. Uh, they, he made, they made uh, The Tourist with uh, Jamie Dornan. Uh, they were producers oh, on Fleabag. Yes, although The Tourist. We loved that. It's coming back for a second season. You'll be glad to hear. Excellent. They they gave James Nesbitt's career a real uh, resurgence when they made The Missing a few years yeah. ago. And, and what they clearly have is a good relationship with the people on their set because they have the same actors appearing again and again and again in their shows. And they're exceptionally well written. It is really one of the best things I've seen on TV this year and I would recommend anyone seek it out. Right. You, you mentioned the Coen brothers and everything you're saying there is kind of putting that in, in mind, it has to be said. Uh, I know this use of narration and title cards. What exactly is that? So there is a narrator throughout the show. He's, um, I, you know, when I was listening to him, I was trying to put my finger on exactly who it was. And I thought it was this like American uh, musician, but it's actually an Icelandic actor named Olaf, o- Olafur Dari Olafsson, uh, who has appeared in lots and lots and lots of things. He's actually, I mean, he's probably the best known Icelander after Bjork, essentially. Yes. And he he provides this very pithy, witty narration to everything that's going on, which is which helps you to ground your own understanding of the plot, because the plot is very Byzantine. We have about four different strands going on. We have the couple, you know, we have the pair that find the drugs and what they're doing. We have each of their individual stories. We have the, you know, the, the gangster on the hunt. We have his henchman on the hunt. We have the gangster falling for a pasty maker. We have a bumbling cop trying to solve all the mystery. Okay. And it's just, it's all kind of held together by this very sardonic wow. wry narration and title cards introducing each new sequence. It just all fits together very, very, very nicely. Yeah, At least great. I thought so. Sounds absolutely great. That is called Boats story. It's Sunday and Monday nights, 9pm on BBC One. Um, now then, uh, Scott Pilgrim takes off streaming all episodes now on Netflix. Let's take a listen to a clip from it. Do you know this one girl with hair like this? Ramona Flowers. Ramona. She's from New York City. The Big Apple. She moved here after a bad breakup. She's single? Got a job delivering DVDs for Netflix. DVDs for Netflix. I'm like her only friend in town. She needs friends. I forbid you from dating her, Scott Pilgrim. Cool, thanks, Julie. Bye. Wallace, quick. What movie should I rent? You're banned from no account video. You owe, like, a good jillion dollars in late fees? Not the rental place. I'm using the World Wide Web. What should I rent? Hmm, something starring a hot guy. I think I need the name of a hot guy. Hmm, fine. Um... Lucas Lee, best chest in the business. Hmm, action doctor, let's hope there's a heaven, thrilled to be here. Ooh, the game is over too. It's over a second time, that sounds fun. Are you waiting for the DVD? It's going to take a bit. How long could it take? A little bit there from Scott Pilgrim uh, takes off. That's on Netflix as we speak. James, that was a film once, wasn't it? It was a film in 2010 and it's based on a comic book series or graphic novel series written by a Canadian a Canadian-Korean-French writer named Brian Lee O'Malley. 
And uh, the the movie was a is a cult hit. You know, it was it was made by Edgar Wright, who you might know as the Cornetto trilogy. That's like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, oh, yeah. uh, The World's End. And he's this very stylized director, and he brought his very unique kind of style to the to the movie in 2010. And it was a huge critical hit and a total flop. I mean, the, it, I think it made 40 million dollars worldwide and is considered a, a, a bit of a financial flop. But it is absolutely beloved by those who love it um, I would count myself amongst them and has a huge cult following and what is incredible about Edgar Wright's film is he really amassed this amazing cast for it at the time uh, in the form of Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead but bigger names that have gone on to bigger things now so we'll say Brie Larson Aubrey Plaza uh, Chris Evans uh, Anna Kendrick wow. and and when they were making the movie they had a group email chat this must have been kind of well, I can wow. imagine WhatsApp, WhatsApp was around but they had <laughs> <laughs> email chat and when they when uh, Brian Lee O'Malley wanted to remake the movie as a uh, animated series for Netflix Edgar Wright came on board as producer and he just whipped up the old email uh, round robin and emailed all of them saying look do you want to be in this and he said every single one of them every within three hours one. every amazing. single one of them within three hours had emailed back to say they would uh, jump at the opportunity so we have all of these people back voicing the people that they were in the movie. Yeah. Now, I sat down to watch it and I read way back when. I read the the graphic novels. I loved the movie. I haven't seen it probably in 10 years, but I do remember loving it. And I sat down watching it going, yeah, okay, so this is just the same thing again. Right? Right. <laughs> like This is just the same thing again. It's very pretty. It's animated beautifully. The soundtrack is great. The voice work is great. And then right at the end of the first episode, they completely change everything that happens so it is a total reboot of the franchise. It is not, you know, if you go yeah. in having seen the movie, it's not going to just follow that path. By the end of the first episode, things have completely changed. And they recontextualize the whole plot, which is about Scott Pilgrim, this yeah. disaffected Canadian living in Toronto, roughly, I think, around 20 or 2010, I think it is set. And... He falls for a woman named Ramona, uh, who we heard in the clip there delivers DVDs for Netflix, which is a little nod to both Netflix origins and the fact that it's on Netflix. And uh, in order to win her hand, he must fight off her seven evil ex-lovers in increasingly laborious ways. And uh, it's all stylized like video games of the kind of 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. It's made by a Japanese co-production. So the style of animation is kind of very, very anime. Right. Um, but it's full of great action, really funny jokes and a really stellar voice cast. And I absolutely lapped it up. What would the target audience, I'm wondering, is that for, for younger people or is it over 18s or... I would say it is, um, I, I would say 15 plus would be absolutely okay. fine. That suits my family down to the ground. Um, yeah, that sounds absolutely great. God, I look forward to that as well. Uh, before we let you go, James, um, could I use chatting to you to, to kind of uh, reappraise the crown uh, just for <laughs> a second? Because um, go for it. I, I, was, I was doing the show when it was launching and there was a general feel that um, it was up there with the worst season, the worst final season since Game of Thrones, <laughs> which uh, seemed very harsh. Um, I've actually watched the four episodes now. It isn't that bad, James. It's it's it, okay. It's a lot of Diana in it, and there's a ghost in it. There's no getting around that. <laughs> but it's it's not that bad, sure, it isn't. I so look. Bear in mind, we still have six episodes of it to go. We've only seen four of it, right? And the thing about Game of Thrones is it has a terrible final season that got worse, kind of with yeah. each episode. 
for me, the first half, of the first four episodes are very Diana heavy. I understand why they're telling the story of her demise and her funeral. But um, the ghost apparition bits to me, I mean, they're not really that, but like the kind of the imagined conversations are a bit over, a bit heavy handed, a bit too melodramatic for a show that's supposed to be about you know, stiff upper lipped Brits who won't show their emotions and instead now they're crying on the side of a mountain and imagining their ghost wife who an episode before <laughs> they were they were wishing, you know, her absolute yes, death. Yes. So for me, this remains and a very, very, very expensive soap opera. Yeah. I can't say I thought it was absolutely horrific, but yeah. for me, it was a um, little, uh, just a little trite, shall okay. we say. Okay. Well, I think, the, you know, Charles screaming on the side of the... <laughs> <laughs> now that you say that. Okay, right. I'm back on the fence. I'm back on the fence again. Uh, James, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Bye-bye. Moncrief. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.